The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that what we've sung is true, that you are a good, good Father. That, Lord, um, our identity is not wrapped up in what anyone says about us. Our identity is not wrapped up in our circumstances, um, in our culture. It's not wrapped up in our career, in our relationships. Our identity is wrapped up in who you say we are. And you say we're your, we are your beloved children. So that's who we are. So God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. God, this morning we need to hear from you. Would you please speak to us? Do a great work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we've been in this series, Love Is, and the main, the main point of our series, the main thing we're going to be looking at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, looking at that definition of love, and, and this morning we're finally going to get to it. We spent a few weeks leading up to it, talking about loving God and loving people, and, and I, I want you to understand something, that there is nothing more important than we can do than to do those two things. Jesus said, all of the law, all of the prophets hangs on two things, what are they? Love God and love people. There's nothing more worth our time. And you know what? If I'm the enemy, what I'm going to try to do is frustrate that. If I can get you to stop loving one another, if I can get you to be hateful towards one another, then I have won. I have knocked down one of the, the legs of, of this, this important, important commandment from Jesus himself to his bride for their joy. And so this morning, we couldn't be talking about something more important than this. And the enemy can't help but love to divide us and tear us Part, but the enemy can't divide those who love one another. And so that's our command from God. And I think if we follow that, if we really heed these words this morning, God's going to do something crazy here among his people. God is going to bring dead people to life. He is going to, he's going to reunite relationships. He's going to do some crazy stuff to show how good he is if we would heed his words here and love one another. So what we're looking at today, we've got a, a, a blank every week, if you will, our, our first thing that we're talking about, and the thing we're focusing on today, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, how does it start there in verse 4? Love is patient. We're talking about patience this morning. And when do you lose your patience? When do you lose your patience? Maybe when you're annoyed or you're uncomfortable, maybe that's when it comes out. Love is patient, and, and you get you get annoyed, and, and and you're uncomfortable, and you're angry, and so you you might say you lose your patience. Um, I think about maybe anybody in here ever been pranked, and you just didn't take it very well, you know, and you lost your patience. That's an easy time. I was trying to think of an example of a prank that I pulled, or a prank was pulled on me that I could share, and I couldn't think of anything that was appropriate to say here and keep my job. But I did think of something. If you if you if you know Russ, Russ Bingham, he's our student minister out in Arlington. Um, if you know him, then you know that if anyone deserves to be pranked in the world, it's him. And uh, there is a prank that got pulled on him that I, it's a simple prank and I love it. And every time I think about it, I laugh. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, this girl get on, got on Craigslist and posted that um, as Russ, that he had free goats to give away. And um, if anybody wanted these goats, they needed to call him. So she put his phone number on Craigslist. Hang on, this isn't the, the evil genius part of it yet. By the way, 
I work nights, so the only time to reach me is between 3 and 4 a.m. So please call me between 3 and 4 a.m. I've got a lot of goats to give away. And so uh, he got phone call after phone call between 3 and 4 a.m. And finally he turned his phone off at night. And then the next morning his voicemail would be full of people wanting goats. So I didn't know goats were that, that big of a deal. But you know what? It's easy when, when you're, you're uncomfortable, when you're inconvenienced, to lose your patience, right? In, in a situation like that. And to start talking about patience, we need to start talking about where it comes from. And patience is a fruit of the Spirit. If you go to Galatians chapter 5 and look at the fruit of the Spirit, you see patience right there. And you know, when I talk about fruit of the Spirit, what I mean is it is, it is something that the Holy Spirit develops in you as you follow God. He develops patience in you. So it's it's evidence uh, of a changed life and an obedient life to God. The more time you spend with him, the more he grows these things in your life. And one of those is patience. And patience is also, patience in us also reflects who God is. Last week we talked about love as a choice. And, and we saw in Luke chapter six, it says, when you love your enemies, when you lend and don't expect anything in return, when, you are, when you're kind to those who are rude, when you pray for those who abuse you, when you love your enemies, what does it say in Luke six? Then you're really acting like children of God. In the same way, when we are patient, when we choose to be patient with other people, we are reflecting who God is to people. And and isn't that true? And when we're patient, uh, we're reflecting God because God is patient. That's who he is. Look at Psalm 103.8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Think for a moment how patient God is with you. I don't know you. I don't know what's going on in your, in your heart of hearts. I don't know all of your deepest, darkest secrets. I don't. I don't have that power. I don't have that ability. Thank God I don't. I, we probably wouldn't be friends. I wouldn't be able to look you in the eye. I don't know those thoughts that you've had. I don't know all those things that you never told anybody, but he does, and you're here this morning blessed by him, and he's welcoming you into his presence. Is the Lord patient with you? Abundantly so. Ridiculously so. The Lord is patient with us. And then we see 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Talking about the Lord coming back, returning for his bride. People at, at this point are going, hang on a second, people are dying. What is taking him so long? No, 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 the Lord's being patient. He wants people to be saved. He's not, he doesn't wanna bring judgment. He's ready for people to be saved, so he's, he's waiting. And you look at your world and you look at our world and you might be sick by it and and you might be upset by it and you might be frustrated by it. How do you think God feels? The perfect judge. But what? He's patient. He's patient so that people would be saved. God is abundantly patient. So when we choose to be patient, we show the world the heart of our dad. That's what our dad is like. That's how we show who God is. And if patience is a fruit of the spirit, then impatience is what? It's a fruit of the flesh. What I mean is, patience is grown by the Holy Spirit. That is something that, that God is growing in you, that he's enabling you to do, to be patient, to choose to be patient. But impatience, we don't need the Holy Spirit for that. That's all us. That comes from, our, that comes from right in here. 
That comes from our heart, right? And it comes from our messed up heart, from our old life, from who we used to be. And unfortunately, we still battle with every single day. And so to choose impatience, if choosing patience shows people who God is, when we choose to be impatient, we are at best, we are at best not reflecting God and at worst misrepresenting him. We are at best, people will go, oh, well, that person doesn't follow God. That's not what God is like. At worst, people look at us and go, I guess that's what he's about. I guess that's what God's about. I don't want anything to do with that, right? At best, lose. At worst, lose, right? Yesterday, um, I, uh, the, the Lord tested my patience, I believe. Yesterday, we were in uh, McDonald's, um, another place known for their customer service, and uh, we... Uh, we were there doing a, it was a basketball party, like my, my five-year-old son's uh, season just ended yesterday, and um, he, he, just like his daddy, uh, zero points all season, but man, he looked good in that uniform. So we, uh, I'm sitting with the parents, and we're sitting in the kids' section, you know, they've got like a wall there and a door for the, the play area so that um, those of you without kids can, you know, be normal. And so we're, we're sitting on the booth, and you know, when you've got a wall filled with one-sided booths, the other side are chairs, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm talking and I have my feet up in one of the chairs across from me. And this McDonald's employee comes by and she starts tapping on the chair. Sir, you gotta get your feet out of the chair. Sir, get your feet out of the chair. Get your feet out of the chair. And she keeps tapping it. And I went, oh my goodness. And so I, I bring my feet down and she walks away, and I'm just like shocked. I can't even believe this just happened. And the lady next to me, she goes, we got here before you did, and we were waiting on you before we ordered food. We didn't know what the deal was, and she came in, and she told us to leave or order food. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a, okay, Lord, I'm preaching on patience tomorrow, so uh, let's see how this goes. And so here's the deal. That lady, she either, at best, I would look at her and go, McDonald's isn't like that. They don't train their employees like that. She is a wild card who hates feet on chairs and uh, she hates loitering. Like when she was a little girl, she was, she was, uh, uh, she was just really pained. Her dad was a deadbeat and loitered all the time. And so she doesn't want people to loiter. And so that's, that's her, that's not on McDonald's. At worst, I look at her and go, that's McDonald's. That's, that's what they think about their customers and all that, right? Which I know is not true. I love the McDouble. Anyway, like we've got, so at best, at best, we don't, we don't think that, we, that, that she represents the company. At worst, she represents the company poorly. And that's for us. When we choose impatience, at best, people will just not think you're a believer. That's at best. People will just not think you're a believer. At worst, people will think that's what God is like. And that's what his people are like. They're impatient. And so you start to think, okay, so I have to choose patience. But hang on a second. Isn't Again, isn't patience of a feeling? I know we talk about love being a choice, but what about patience? Because when, I, when, when, we, when we aren't patient with people, what, what's the phrase we use? I lost my patience. Isn't that what we use? So, so that word lost, what does that indicate? A lack of control. You know, a lack of control. Like uh, my, my wife, uh, one day she told me that I, I lost the cat. Like we opened the, we opened the door, the cat got out. I have lost the cat. What does that mean? That means that we don't have control over that cat. That cat got out, okay? That was completely outside of her control, right? And so in the same way, when we talk about patience, I lost my patience. I don't have control over my patience. But you know what? I, I don't think that that's true. And I don't think that patience is that feeling. I don't think patience is a feeling. And you say, but I have strong feelings when I'm impatient. That's probably true. 
Anybody, if you were driving here today and you got stuck behind a car on a two-lane road, like maybe right here, you know where it's two lanes, and the speed limit's 35, but for some reason they think school meets on Sunday and they're going 15, you know, and you're behind them, do you feel strong feelings? Yes. You have never, you don't care about, I want to get to church right now. You just, I don't want my car to, to idle and stall on me going 50 miles an hour down the road. And you feel really strongly. You're, you're going to be impatient, but you're feeling really strongly. And what are you feeling? Are you feeling impatience? No, no, no. It's not a feeling. You feel frustrated? Sure. You feel annoyed? Fine. You might even feel angry? Fine. Those are the feelings that come, that, 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 that are in you. But that's not what patience is. That's not what impatience is, right? So when you're behind somebody or someone's cruising in the passing lane, you know what I mean? How do you feel there? You're angry. You're frustrated. You're ready to put them into the wall. Like you, you have all of those feelings, but that's not impatience. You can't control that feeling. And I think even, I think that, it, I want us to look at a scripture that I think Jesus even felt some of those feelings. Jesus even felt the frustration that we feel. Look at Matthew chapter 16. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 5 through 12 today. Matthew chapter 16. All right, so Jesus, this is late into the ministry of Jesus. He's been with his disciples for years at this point. And so he, he, he's about to teach them here in verse 5. Later. After they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus reveals a spiritual truth. He uses this time to, in this opportunity, to teach them a spiritual truth. This is for their benefit. He's giving them a good gift here. And he's done this so many times up until this point. And we only have the recorded times. I, who knows how many times he taught them. He used these opportunities throughout their day to say, hey, look, let me give you a piece of spiritual truth. That's for your joy. Let me go ahead and give that to you. And what was their response? Verse seven. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. So Jesus goes, beware the yeast of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He's giving them this spiritual knowledge, a spiritual understanding, this spiritual gift, if you will. And what do they do? Peter, did you, for, did you forget the bread again? That wasn't on me, dude. That's on John. No, it's not James. James, you are the bread guy, all right? Every time, we don't even call you James anymore. We call you Bread Jimmy. Every time, that's your job. Where's the bread at? Jesus needs bread. Now he's talking about Pharisees. We gotta go buy their yeast or something. Like, what is going on here? They're so preoccupied with these physical things, they don't get what Jesus is saying to them. Jesus is trying to give them this, this spiritual understanding, which is quite a gift. And do they appreciate it? Do they accept it? No, what do they do? They argue. They're arguing about bread, which is ridiculous. And do you think he felt frustrated? I think so. Jesus offered them the spiritual gift and instead of being happy, they fought amongst themselves. Haven't you experienced that? Like I've experienced that with my kids. You know, I'll, I'll come home, like uh, my, my kids play Disney Infinity, and to play this on, uh, on, on the PlayStation, you've got to like buy the little figures. You can't be Spider-Man unless you go to the store and pay $15 to put it on a stand for your $60 game. And so they, you have to buy these little figures. Well, I try to, when I go to a store, I look for them on clearance, okay? So all of our figures, uh, they, they, they have a little love to, on them, all right? Like they are, they're, maybe they're not all new. So I try to find them on clearance. And when I find them on clearance, I, I just, I'll bring one home. Well, that's become a problem lately with uh, Max and Jude, with my five-year-old and my, my soon-to-be four-year-old. That's become an issue because as soon as I bring it home, they're excited. They're, oh, Spider-Man. Is it mine or is it his? 
Is it mine? Is it his? Is it mine? It, I said, guys, it doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter because it's a two-player game and you guys just take turns. I'll set an alarm. We'll shift every 10 minutes. No big deal, right? Okay, okay, daddy, that's cool. But is it mine? Is it mine though? Like I'll share it, but is it mine? And that's become like a big issue. And then they, they get into a fight. How do you think I feel? I'm frustrated. I stopped on my way home. I went to a store I do not like to go to. And I found this little, I found this little toy for you and I'm bringing it back, okay? And I'm giving it to you. And what I want is, daddy, you are the best. We want to sing you songs. Like that's what I want. And instead you're fighting. What is wrong with you? I'm frustrated. Or, or, or uh, recently, my daughter was sick, and so I went by. I went to the store, and I got her. Um, I got her stuffed animal, you know, because she's my princess, and she gets anything. If she had gone, Daddy, bring me home a car. Okay, we we have a car now. Like, so I I, I stopped to buy her a, a toy, and I knew that my other kids would be like, "What's going on?" So I said, "I gotta do something." Well, I'm not gonna buy them toys. I don't have that money, but I'll just bring them candy, like a, like a nice candy surprise, okay? So I give Piper Grace her her stuffed animal, and she just gives me. It's the best thing my daughter can do for me. She she didn't s- say no. She just said okay, like, and she took it. And for my daughter and me, that's like. Oh, she loves me. She really loves me, all right? So she looked at me, acknowledged I was alive, took the present from me. That's all I wanted. That's all I can expect from Piper Grace. I was so happy. And then my boys come up. What do we get? And I was like, uh, snap into a Slim Jim. Like, here's your, here's your snack. And they looked at it. And Jude goes, why does she get a toy? I said, because she's sick. She's been thrown up all day, son. And she goes, she gets a toy because she's sick? And I said, yeah. And he goes, Oh, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And, uh, and so they're ungrateful. They were incredibly ungrateful. I was frustrated. Do you ever feel that frustration at ungratefulness? Like you think you're doing so much for somebody and they don't care or they don't acknowledge it. And Jesus said, so Jesus is giving them this gift and their response is, I wasn't supposed to bring the bread. This guy was. And Jesus had taught them for years. It's been years at this point, and they're not getting it. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like you're just spinning your wheels? You're trying and trying and trying. It's not going anywhere. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's been teaching them for years. At this point, he must have used analogies and allegories and all these things one million times with them. And so at this point, he sees another opportunity. He's like, all right, here we go. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. All right, let's see. That one's got to land, okay? Like, we're three years in now. That one's got to land. Obviously, I don't mean they need to go buy yeast from Pharisees. Okay, so here we go. And then they go, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, right? Do you think he's frustrated? Absolutely he's frustrated. Absolutely he feels that. And so what did he say? What's Jesus' response? Look at verse 8. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? So Jesus shows another frustration here. He's going, look, even if this was about bread, don't you trust me by now? 
Like you're worried about bread. Like uh, I didn't, okay, so, so uh, bread Jimmy over here, he completely forgot the bread. Now we're not gonna be able to eat and they're worried about it. And Jesus goes, I, I fed 5,000 with a happy meal and I fed 4,000 with a happy meal. What are, what's your problem? Why are you even worried about bread? Like forget the fact that you're ignoring the gift I'm giving you. Why don't you trust me? And so he's frustrated. Wouldn't you be? Haven't you ever felt that frustration where people don't believe in you? Like you've been at work and someone gives you a project and you've done this a thousand times, right? You've submitted TPS reports a thousand times. But for some reason this time, they're all over your back about it and they're micromanaging you. And you're going, don't you believe in me? Don't you think I can do this? I've done this a million times. How do you feel? Frustrated, upset, angry. What about at home? When you don't feel like you're being supported, you don't feel like maybe your spouse believes in you. How do you feel? Frustrated, disappointed, angry, upset. There's a lot of feelings going on there. And Jesus is feeling that. And then, and then look at what he says there in verse 11. Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then, at last, they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast in bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus corrects him. Guys, I'm not, oh, I'm not talking about bread. And then finally, I don't know who it was, but finally, someone over here goes, oh, I get it. He's not talking about bread, guys. He's teaching. I got it. And so it finally clicks with them. But this passage illustrates Jesus' humanity and the fact that he could absolutely feel those feelings we feel. He could feel that, that frustration with the disciples, frustrated with their worry, their lack of trust in him, frustrated with their arguing and childishness, frustrated with how, how, what they do with the gift that he's trying to give them. Jesus was feeling frustrated and maybe even annoyed. And can't you relate to that? You know, when someone does that same annoying thing that you've asked them not to do and they do it for the 39th time, how do you feel? Happy, overjoyed? No, you feel annoyed. You feel angry, upset. You have a plan and it makes sense. But for some reason, this person comes in and they keep frustrating it. How do you feel? I feel annoyed. I feel frustrated. And we've all felt that way. And Jesus felt it. But... But here's the deal, impatience can't be a feeling because impatience would be the opposite of patience, which would be hate. Impatience would be hateful. If patience is love, then, then what would be impatience? Hateful. But Jesus, he had these feelings, but he's not hateful. So he must be patient. Even here, he displayed patience. So then, let me say this and listen to me very carefully. Choosing patience is not about the internal feeling, but is simply about the external response to others. Choosing patience is not about how I'm feeling, how upset I am, or angry, or anything like that. Because I feel that, that doesn't mean that I'm impatient. That's, that's not what that means. Just because I have those feelings, that's not what choosing patience is about. Choosing patience is simply about how you respond to other people, how you respond to them, how you treat them, how you talk to them, how you act. And look at Jesus' example. What was his response to his frustration? Did he kick and scream? Did he send them away? Did he call them idiots? What did he do? He gently reminded them of what's true and corrected them. His humanity felt one way. Oh, oh my me, I can't believe that I have these guys following me. We've been there three years, they're not getting it. He might be feeling this frustration and then how does he respond? Guys, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about te the teaching of the, of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He corrects them. He's 
patient. He's gentle with them. Patience is not about your feelings, but your external response to others. So Jesus has given us this picture of patience. So I want to I wanna define patience, and, and that's what you have there on your hand. So I want to define it, and I, I hope it'll be a way that we can, we can hold on to it a little bit easier. But to define patience, let's start with what patience is not. What's the inverse of patience? Impatience, right? It's impatience. And what would impatience have looked like in Matthew 16? If Jesus had chosen to be impatient, what would that have looked like? Uh, guys, uh, beware of the, of the yeast of the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they're like, I didn't bring the bread. Did you bring the bread? We need bread. What would impatience look like? All right, now I'm going to turn you all into bread. What is wrong with you, right? Or you're all gone. I'm going to start over. I need new followers. I, I made a mistake, guys. I finally did it. I made a mistake. I don't know what I was thinking with you. We got to start over. Hey, you know what, uh, John? I think that your brain is made of bread. Why can't you understand this? We have talked over and over again. No, no, no. That, that would have been impatient. Ultimately, he could have done all of those. Think about the last time you displayed impatience. Think about it. Like when you yelled at your kids. When you, when you said something you shouldn't have said about somebody. When you, when you were rude in response to someone else's rudeness. Think about when you displayed that. Now, let's, let's try to define impatience from your own experience. So what is impatience? Very simply, it's probably just following your emotions. Don't you think? It's going, I feel angry. I feel upset. Let's do something about it. You're gonna act from those emotions. It's, it's aligning your external actions with your internal feelings. That's what it's doing. My internal feelings are this. I'm angry, I'm upset, uh, I, 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 want to, uh, I wanna act on that. And so I'm gonna line up my actions with how I feel. I'm frustrated, so I'm gonna respond in a way because I am frustrated, I'm gonna line those up. But that's impatient, that's not love, that's not Jesus, that can't be us anymore. We can't make that decision to follow our feelings anymore. So let's define patience. Well, in some of your scriptures, depending on your translation, instead of patience, it might say long suffering. Let's break that down real quick. To suffer, to suffer what? I mean, obviously if we're in relation to people, we're suffering from people, but suffering what? What are they doing? Well, we suffer delay, we suffer pain, we suffer frustrations. Delay, like your plans or your time are messed up by someone else. When someone wastes your time or someone, someone messes up what you're trying to accomplish, right? That's a delay. Someone, someone drives too slow in the left-hand lane, right? That's a delay. And, and all of a sudden, we are frustrated. Or pain, someone wrongs you directly or indirectly. When someone insults you or they wound you in some way. Frustration, right? I'm suffering from somebody. I'm frustrated. Or just general frustrations. People are annoying. When someone doesn't meet your expectations or they don't do things the way you want them done or they just rub you the wrong way. Frustrations, all of that. And I think Jesus suffered people. I think he suffered that. And he dealt with it here in Matthew 16. His disciples aren't getting what he's saying. They're stuck on worldly things. They're being selfish. They're being childish. They're doubting him. Jesus is suffering the disciples. But then look again at long suffering. What is it? Suffering what? Long. So, so suffering for a long time. So to suffer for a long time means to put up with a lot, delay, pain, and frustrations for a long time. To put up with a lot, that's delay, pain, and frustrations for a long time. And Jesus did that. His disciples here, how long had they been following him at this point? Some of them almost three years. 24-7, by the way. This wasn't, I'll check in with you on Sundays and Wednesdays. 24-7, they've been with him. 
And he's frustrated and rightfully so. Their selfishness, their callousness, their quick temperedness, all of that was constantly in his face. Constantly in his face. And what did he do? He put up with it for a long time. For a long time. He put up with their delay, with the pain and with the frustration. I mean, I think a great picture of it is at the end of his earthly ministry, he's being betrayed, okay? The Roman, the the soldiers have shown up. They're going to arrest him, right? And Jesus is handling it. He's handling it. Literally, he speaks to them and they fall down, all right? So he has told his disciples, I'm going to be betrayed. This has to happen. He's also told them, he's also taught them about love and respect and respecting authority over them. He's also, like, he's also displaying right now, I can handle this. I can handle this. And then Peter steps up. What are you doing, Peter? Like, he knows all of this. And he goes, time to do some ear cutting. And he pulls out a sword and cuts a dude's ear off. Trying to save Jesus, I guess? trying to go against what Jesus had just told him, this has to happen. No, it doesn't, right? I'm gonna stop it. You gotta imagine in that moment, how did Jesus feel? I mean, I don't know if he said this. He probably didn't. It probably wasn't his response, but I like to imagine that he cuts the ear off and Jesus just goes, oh, Peter, oh, Peter. Sorry, guys. This, you gotta know Peter. He's a little bit of a loose cannon, all right, but that's why we love him. Let me get that ear for you real quick. Boop, boop, you good? All right, Pete, stop cutting people. All right, my bad, let's go, right? Jesus is dealing even up to the last moment of his earthly ministry with them. He's He's got frustrations. He's got frustrations with the disciples, but what does he do? He puts up with it for a long time, and that's what patience is. Now listen, does that mean you're a doormat? Does that mean that, you do, that you're passive, that you just let whatever happen, right? Does that mean that, that you just say, you know what? Patience means to put up with a lot over a long period of time, so, so you're wronging me, you're doing something wrong to somebody else, I'm just, I'm just gonna let it happen. No, 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 because keep reading in 1 Corinthians, what do you see? Love doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing, and Jesus didn't do that here. The disciples were wrong. Here at Matthew 16, they were wrong. But Jesus, what? He corrected them. He confronted the frustration. He confronted the frustration. They're arguing about bread. They don't get it. He confronts it. But how does he do it? With gentleness and not anger. He didn't didn't follow feelings. He chose gentleness. And how do we know it was gentle? Because what what happened to the disciples? They got it. They weren't crushed by Jesus' words. It says they finally got it. So we know that it was gentle. We know that he was trying to help them, not hurt them. So what does that require? to engage a frustration, but do it with gentleness and not anger. What does that require? When you have somebody who is so rude to your face, it literally takes your breath away. What does it require of you to respond to that frustration, to not just sit there and take it, but to respond to that frustration with gentleness and not with anger? What does it require? Restraint, requires restraint. Jesus could have lashed out. He could have wounded them at any point, but he, was, he, was, he used restraint. He was calm, he was gentle, he was patient. So our definition of patience continues to evolve, and here it is, Here's our, here it is, it's a final definition. To put up with a lot for a long time with restraint. To put up with a lot for a long time with restraint. I started to think about what is a, a real life example of somebody who, who is showing this type of patience. They're putting up with a lot for a long time with restraint. They want to do something about it that they probably shouldn't, but they won't. 
They choose gentleness instead of following their feelings. And, um, and the perfect example I came up with, and she's not here this morning, so that's probably good because she'd be embarrassed and, and, and hurt me later, is my wife. So there are times where my wife will text me, and I'll, I'll just say, how are the kids today? And she'll say, oh, ooh, your daughter, right? Or, oh, it's been a tough day for Max. Or Jude has just been, he's been in timeout 90% of the day, right? It's just been one of those days. And you know, I come home, and she has a smile on her face, but then you can kind of see straight through the smile, and she's just like barely holding it together, you know? And then one of the kids, whoever that troubled kid is that day, uh, does something in that moment, and, and, this, and this, is, this is my wife's move. Are you ready? She clenches her fist, like, like Charlie Brown, I guess. All right, she clenches her fist, and she closes her eyes, and she's, she always goes, ugh, like that's her move. Like that is her, something's about to happen, right? But then what does she do? She's restrained. She's put up with this behavior all day, and yet she still restrains herself. She doesn't go over to Jude and just pick him up and just go uh, through the uprights, right? Like she doesn't do that. She doesn't, she doesn't strike him. She doesn't even yell at him. She takes him and she bends down and gets in his face and she, she firmly but calmly and gently even explains why you can't do what you're doing and takes him to time out. And then when he's done with time out, she explains to him how to make this right again. That's incredible. That's patience. Now, her feelings, her feelings are, ugh, right? Those are her feelings. But she doesn't follow those. She puts up with a lot over a long period of time. There is no expiration on patience. Over a long period of time, with restraint, with restraint, that's patience. Patience is a choice to put up with a lot for a long time with restraint. When your coworker is rude all the time, every word out of their mouth is rude, and you don't lash out. You choose restraint. That's patience. When your family member has messed up your plan, or you, and you gently confront them instead of talking about them behind their back, or gossiping, or getting revenge even, you use restraint. It's patience. And you say, well, I certainly don't feel patient. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Patience is putting up with a lot for a long time with restraint. But why do we continue to choose impatience? Why is it, like, what's at the core of impatience? Well, sin, okay, Doug, good job, gold star, well done. Sin, yeah, but what specifically, what, what attitudes breed impatience? And I think it's simple. I think it's selfishness, pride, and faithlessness. Selfishness, what does selfishness mean? I, I want better. I want better. For me, I want better, right? I want to be treated better. I want better friends or coworkers. I want an easier relationship. I want to get mine first. And we see how that breeds impatience. Pride. I deserve better. I deserve to be treated better. I deserve a child that's more respectful. I deserve to be able to relax and not be bothered. I deserve to get mine first. And then faithlessness. I can do better than God. I can do better than him. I know I should be slow to speak, but my feelings are hurt, and I know how to put her in her place. So I'm just gonna speak here. I'm gonna speak harshly, but I'm gonna put her in her place because this is this will fix it. I can do better. I know I shouldn't correct my boss, but this isn't right, and being respectful isn't working. I can do better. I can fix this. And we're all too familiar with these attitudes, and we know, we can clearly see how this is fertile soil for impatience, isn't it? 
with selfishness. You do what you want first, regardless of others. You're being patient. Pride, you believe you should do what you want, regardless of others. Faithlessness, you don't do things the right way. You do them your way, regardless of others. That's impatient. So what changes these attitudes? Because if, if we really want to grow patience, we want the Holy Spirit to grow patience in us, we need to change the soil. So how do we do that? Who, who changes that? What changes these attitudes? Well, remember, patience is a, is a fruit of what? Spirit. So what changes these attitudes? Only God can. Only God can. Remember we talk about loving God and loving people. Who comes first? Loving God. Loving God. And 2 Corinthians 5 says that in him we are new creations. He is making us new. Only God can change these attitudes. Only God. So you can't change these attitudes that, that make the decision to patience so much more difficult, but God can as he makes you a new person. Look at his command to those who love him. Look, look at his command here in Philippians 2, verse three through five. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take, uh, uh, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Look at how obedience to his command, as you get to know him better, and as you follow him, and you obey his commands, look at how it begins to change those attitudes. It begins to change that soil. Look at that. If we follow those commands, what happens? Our selfishness turns to selflessness. We think of others first. We make them a priority. Jesus did this with us. He said, what did he say? I came to serve, not to be served. I came to serve. And so it becomes selflessness. And if we love God, then we live to serve and not be served. In our homes, in our workplaces, even in our church, we ask that question, well, what do you want? What do you want? Because we live to serve as he lives to serve. So what do we see? That selfishness, that, that soil starts to change to something better. That pride turns to humility. Think of others as more deserving than you. That means seeing others as extremely and supremely valuable, regardless of what they've done. You go, how can I do that? Jesus did it. Jesus literally died on a cross for people who the only reason we had value is because he says so. We have no value outside of him. And yet he, he, he saw us as valuable. That's our example, is to see everyone as supremely valuable. If you love God, you will see others as valuable. So again, following that command, getting to know God better, getting to know how he sees us as valuable and wants us to extend that to others, what's happening to that prideful soil? It's changing. It's changing to humility. And then faithless to faith-filled. Trust God's plan like Jesus did. It takes a lot of faith to suffer for a long period of time with restraint. Because what are you doing in your suffering? You're trusting that God will do something about your suffering. You're trusting that, that God's timing and his plan is better. It takes a lot of faith. That's gonna take faith to do. So we trust God's plan and protection. Psalm 25, three, listen to this promise. No one who trusts in the Lord will be put to shame. Nobody, nobody. So again, as we get to know the Lord better, as we begin to trust him even more, what happens to that faithlessness? He builds it up and you become faith-filled. So impatience grows in the soil of selfishness and pride and faithlessness, so we need to change the soil. Well, we can't do it, but God can. God changes the soil through our continued obedience to him. So how can you make choosing patience easier then? I'll just end with this, just these two quick things. Don't trust your feelings anymore. Don't trust your feelings. Obey regardless of feelings. 
I, I know that, that my feelings have no bearing on what is true. I know that God says this is what's true. God says this is best, I, then I'll obey. I can't trust my feelings. Patience is not a feeling. Putting up with a lot over a long period of time with restraint is not a feeling. Frustration and anger are feelings, but patience is an external response regardless of our internal feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Don't follow your heart. Trust the Lord, obey. I feel like lashing out. Don't trust that feeling. I feel like, like yelling. I feel like telling them off. Don't trust your feelings. God's way is better, obey. But you know, ultimately, the best way to make the choice of patience easier is to say this, is to do this. Stay close to him. Just stay close to him. You want this fruit to grow? You can't do it. God does it. God grows that in you. He changes the soil for you. Think about the times you've lost your patience the most. Think about that. Maybe it was a difficulty in a relationship or whatever. Think about that moment. Now let me ask you this. In that moment, what was your relationship with God like? What was your relationship with God like? Had you been spending time in his word? Did you have the accountability of other brothers and sisters around you? You were confessing sin to each other. You were praying for one another. What was your relationship with God like? What was it like? Had you been obedient to him? I'm gonna argue probably not because that's true for me. When I choose impatience with my own kids, which is embarrassing to say is probably the people I I, I lose my patience more than with anybody else. But when I choose to be impatient with them, it's not their fault. It's my fault. And usually I can diagnose it with this. I'm not, I'm not close to the Lord in this moment. I haven't spent time with him that day. I haven't submitted to him that day. And it comes out, right? Stay close to him. If you struggle with patience with someone, ask him for help. Ask him to grow that in you. Ask him to reveal the selfishness and the pride and the, and the lack of faith and repent of it. Obey him. Just obey him. Stay close to him. Luke 6 says, pray for those who mistreat you. Regularly pray for those who frustrate you the most. Just stay close to him. Do what he wants. We can't love like this without him doing a work in us. I want to end the service in a uh, a different way. I'm going to ask the band. You can come on up um, and, and play for us real quick. But you, neither you nor I, can grow this in us. We can choose to be patient today. There's not a thing stopping us from making that choice. But we can't grow that in us. We can't change those attitudes, change that soil. God does. We are desperate for him. We are literally beggars in need of him to do a work in us. So here's how I'd like to close. I don't want to stand up here anymore. I I don't want to just talk to you. I want to come out and I want to pray with you. And I want to beg God together that he do this work in us. Because we need it. We need it. So I'd like to close this way. I'd like for you to stand, if you're willing. Would you stand with me? And I'd like for you, if you're willing, would you take the hand of the people around you? Would you take the hand of the people around you? I'm gonna come join you. I'm no better than anybody in this room. If you would, would you raise your hands with me? Lord Jesus, we are empty vessels, fill us. 
Lord Jesus, our faith is weak. Strengthen us. Our love is cold. Warm us. Make it fervent so we can bring it out to our neighbors. Jesus, we need you to do this work in us. Our hearts are desperately wicked without you. Change that soil of pride and selfishness. Change that soil of faithlessness. Do a mighty work in us. Enable us to choose patience. To not follow our feelings anymore like the enemy would, would lead us to believe is our only option. But to like you've done for us, to put up with a lot, a lot, pain, delay, frustrations, a lot for a long time with restraint. Help us make that choice. We need your help. We're desperate for it. We love you. Thank you for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to close us in, in, in prayer and um, make a couple announcements. Uh, daylight savings time is next week. Please don't forget that. Do we have new members? Yeah, two. Oh, excellent. Um, are they here? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, we, uh, so, so daylight savings time is next week. Um, is it, it's spring forward, right? So we lose an hour? All right, I might not be here either, um, but that's next week. Try to not forget. If you, I got those pink slips, want to help us with childcare, please do that. Um, but we want to introduce uh, some new members here. Um, I'm going to guess by this card that you're Linda Brown, not Ray Jackson. Is that right? Okay, so, so you're Linda. And here's Ray Jackson, of course, which, by the way, looks pretty familiar, right? Uh, so completed our new members class. Um, so as you leave today, I want you to do two things. One, come hug their necks and love on them and, and just really just embarrass Ray as much as possible. Um, but two, I want you to do this. I'll be right here. If the Lord did something to you this morning, you need to talk with someone. You need to, like Caitlin did, Caitlin up there, we baptized this morning. There was one day, just literally, she's in a Bible study. She's in Reverb and a Wednesday night program. She's been in, she's, she's been going to church for, for a long, long time. And she just said, I, I need to follow Jesus. He's got to be in charge, not me. Amen. If that's you, if you've had that realization, if you need to make a change, you come find me. I'll be right here. I don't bite often. I'll be right here. You come find me. And, and let's pray together. Don't leave here the same way you walked in. God is so so patient. But you know what his patience does? It leads us to repentance. It's not for us to abuse and take advantage of. So, to, so in, embrace that patience and come to Jesus today. So I'll be here. So come embarrass them. Come pray with me. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your work today. Thank you for what you've done for us. We love you. You're so good to us. We love you, love you, love you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.